0: So Mr. Chairman, Mr. Bonosis, ladies and gentlemen, after a long and constructive day, we are at the last panel for this forum. To put it all together and look ahead. Uh, my name is Leonidas Karistios, okay. and as you can see, we have uh, the largest panel, an excellent panel with us. And uh, without further ado, uh, we should uh, start with uh, the questions. So I would like to start uh, with um, the fact that the shipping market is affected by unpredictable situations. In 2019, the dry sector was impacted by the 2019 value time collapse. Obviously, there are the trade wars. These days, we have the coronavirus. It was mentioned earlier today. People say that this is a big hit on uh, VLCCs. Uh, but also on um, 18th of February, BSP expressed concerns to lo- not lower commodity demand if the coronavirus outbreak extends be- beyond the first quarter. So, um, if I can ask Mr. George Muscas uh, to tell us uh, your experiences today and your predictions for the day after, please. Yeah,
1: uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, regarding the um, the implementation of the sulphur cut, I think generally for most shipping companies it went quite smoothly. I think more smoothly than we all expected.
2: And um,
1: I, I think the companies prepared correctly, That the crews were trained properly, and we managed to do the changeover without any great issues. It's a bit early to now find out whether the point 0.5 is going to cause a problem, because it's it's only just been implemented, We've only done one or two bunkering. But if we, um, uh, I think that what we have to do is probably keep separate each bunkering we do, so that we can burn off the full amount, and then uh, after that we rebunk and then do, rather than commingle the, the the fuels. Um, with regard to the price differential I think you're asking is, um, the price differential now is about $160, $165, that think, uh, between the 3.5 and the 0.5, um, which is not as high as people expect. Um, but uh, what, the ships that have been fitted with scrubbers, I mean, they will have the benefit of, of that, but it will just mean it will take longer to... To get back the investment on the scrubber, um, the thing that's interesting is that the 0.5 and the 0.1, the price is almost the same, and it uh, it just seems a bit odd. That why can not the IMO just go for 0.1 and and, and ensure that the oil company is supplied enough 0.1, which is better for the environment and be better for the ship as well.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Uh, actually, you, 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 you answered the question that I was planning t- to ask uh, uh, next. But since we are on the subject, um, noting that, uh, as you correctly mentioned, we have two, um, um, basically, policies that dominate in this uh, sulfur cap. Uh, one being the scrubber installation or the use of uh, compliant fuels. Could I please ask uh, Mr. Petros Papas for his opinion on the subject? Thank you, Leo. My opinion, opinion about what? Um, let's take on the Sulphur Cup and whether you, you agree that this was uh, actually the sitting was quite well prepared for the change, and whether you see that the future would be when it comes to the price uh, gap.
3: Well, uh, actually, we knew about this uh, thing over twelve years, and uh, as of 2016, it was certain it was going to happen. So there was ample time for all of us to prepare. And uh, I think that for the time being, we see that uh, it, has, it is going relatively smoothly. Um, we, of course, have scrubbers on all our vessels. And uh, we didn't have to change the fuel we, are, we were already using. So I, we do not have experience whether LSFO uh, is creating any problems for engines, for example. Uh, although I haven't heard anything. Uh, what I've seen is that there is plenty LSFO around. Actually, I think HFO is probably in, uh, in less uh, supply. So, in that uh, respect, I, um, I do not see any problems. Now, regarding the fuel prices. Fuel prices are low right now, and this is it's obvious why. Um, the economy is not doing well, and I think that the coronavirus has affected things tremendously. and uh, You see how the economy in China is going, they're talking about, uh, I mean, between zero and three uh, percent GDP increase on an annual basis for Q1, where China usually goes at six percent. If that spreads around, I think it's going to have an effect. Uh, In general, so prices of fuel oil are down uh, because exactly because the
0: economy is not doing so well. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. (coughs) Cardiolo, could you please uh, share your your views on this? If I'm uh, not mistaken, you have experience both with scrubber retrofits and also going through the uh, compliance fuel approach. Yes, uh, like everyone
4: else, I think. Uh, we were well prepared for the change. <coughs> we knew it uh, since many years ago that this would come in effect. The thing we were not prepared for is that uh, we would have to pay the whole cost ourselves. And uh, I think we we can only blame ourselves for that. Ship owners, we fought we fell in the trap. Uh, to blame each other. Those that they were not fitting scrubbers were blaming the ones that they were fitting scrubbers, and those that they were fitting scrubbers they were defending against those uh, accusations, whilst we were just implementing one of the rules of uh, IMO was uh, offering uh, for uh, compliance with this regulation. So we made the mistake, we lost focus, and the result is upon us now. Last February we are getting 6 dollars on Cape sides to carry iron ore from Australia to China this february we get again 6 dollars the difference is we have to burn 300,000 dollars worth of bankers, more expensive worth of bankers, to carry this uh, cargo so the charter very cleverly passed all these costs to the owners and this is quite unacceptable and we should wake up and we should not allow another new regulation to fa- fail on the shoulders of the owners 100%. Of course, it will fail a big portion in the shoulders of the owners, but not 100% like this regulation. Okay, thank you very
0: much. Um, Mr. Aswell, yes. I will still uh, one of your quotes. Pain plus reflection equals progress. So uh, we discussed, you. No, thank you, I'm <laughs> we'll sure you are and uh, I'm adopting it um, and we, we, we discussed uh, at the beginning about some uh, challenges affecting uh, shipping and uh, especially the dry sector um, I would like to stick on the coronavirus This was a hot topic uh, even in the morning session. Um, how do you see where we are now and how do you see um,
5: how the future would be? Well, I, I think where we are now, is it's almost similar, for, from a pure day rate perspective, it's almost similar to where we were last year at this time. And I think that we actually will have a catch-up in Seaborn volumes with coal and iron ore that's really what has to play catch-up, because funnily enough, actually the minor bulks and soft commodities, are already moving, you're seeing panamaxes and Supermax's price upwards. But I think we'll have a coiled spring effect, and I think you'll see, I'm not sure how long, but I think you'll certainly see a spike in the Cape size rates that's higher than last year, because I, I, what we're seeing right now is there's a lot of coal moving, actually, as a result of the freight, but long haul coal, so ships are getting tied up in those voyages. And the one problem we had last year, which a lot of people don't realize, is that valley's production was off. Um, and it never came back. It came, they, they, they had a coiled spring, in, to use it twice, in August, in August of last year and the Brazilian exports were 38 million tons. After that, you went down to 30 in September, 32 in October, 29 in uh, November, and then 28 in December. So something happened, they broke something. The, the infrastructure didn't work, but now I can tell you Valley's been back in the market. They fixed um, a, a, a lot of uh, uh, contracts of refraigment for the back end of this year. So I think they think that they have their, um, their production in line and so when this, the, the problems from the coronavirus, coronavirus um, ease away and the world normalizes I think you'll see Valley come and ramp up their production, especially with iron ore pricing even $75 a ton. Um, so I think you, you'll see some real fireworks in the, for the big ships. Yeah,
0: okay, excellent. Thank you very much.
5: Uh,
0: obviously, what you mentioned about Vale, I, I take that it a little bit contradicts what PSP was announcing, but probably there will uh, be um, lower commodity demand.
5: So, maybe it's not the case. I so. don't think it's actually yeah. about the demand. I think there's a price for everything, okay. and I think it's about their production, and I think they have a lot of room from the price they, they cost them to produce, to where the market is. In fact, Iron Ore, for years, has the largest margin of any other commodity in the world. And so I think they'll produce and they'll be able to make money even if the iron ore price goes down to 50, 60, and we've seen someone's gonna buy it, probably the Chinese, and if anything, if there's no demand, you'll have stockpiling at okay. a certain price. Excellent, thank you. Uh, Ms. Milona, uh would you share the same views on this, or? Uh,
0: Yes, I
6: would, but I would like to add on that, um the other, the other positive short-term uh, effect that I expect to see is uh, as new stimulus packages out of China. Their economy has been greatly wounded um, with uh, coronavirus, as has the rest of the world. And I think as in the past, China will come back very dynamically and help the rest of us along, probably not for another few months. but uh, i to hang in there. <laughs> okay, thank
0: you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so uh, actually we talked about uh, social carbon, we talked about the market volatility, uh, um, but we have, we are now into a new reality. Um, IMO in April 2018 adopted the greenhouse gas strategy with short, medium and long-term measures to decarbonize shipping. And Mr. Chairman, I will uh, steal uh, your quote uh, now, which you said earlier that is not a shipping issue, it's a global issue. So uh, if I may, could, I, could, could you share your views on um, on basically is this a challenge for uh, shipping or another opportunity for another success uh, story and whether IMO is uh, moving to the right direction? In fairness, I don't really
2: think we're really looking for opportunities. I think what we're looking for and perhaps in which respect we may be too late, is to have a general problem addressed by all parties concerned in a way which is commensurate with their standing, their posture, their financial uh, restraints and their financial objectives. Um, Basically, I mean, okay, that aspect of scrubbers, which I mean, some people have used them, some people don't. George Procopio, very colorfully, refers to scrubbers as being refineries placed on ships. Me um, does have a point to a certain extent. But the issue I think started uh, years ago and I've mentioned this before and it's a bit sad because uh, the Greek and the shipping market, the ship-owning market has always been very dynamic. They've always been daring and, uh, and uh, receptive with the market. as we say. But the unfortunate thing is that they never had, the, even though is a Greek word, Synergy. It was never really applicable across the, the main shipping markets, and, and I'm referring to Greece and Cyprus in particular because they are the largest markets in the world and they can have the aspects of communication, the same code of ethics, the same structure, the same background and it's just a pity that in those years where this market did become rather more sophisticated, uh, people were more knowledgeable and they weren't capable of actually getting their act together to ensure that the campaign and the the elements which they brought to the market, but were bought by the by the uh, by the oil companies, and in, in the first instance, and by engine, engine manufacturers in the second instance, they, that whole scenario causes what I would call, in all fairness, a farce, which imposed on the shipping industry a massive financial burden, which, to, in fairness, should not have been uh, on their on their shoulders. The other element, which actually adds more salt to the wound, is not only the shipping market is burdened with this uh, frustrated uh, uh, element of actually having to cope with the the, uh, with the environmental issues, but the same token, they're not even sharing the tab. You know, the, 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 the bill comes at table, and one guy pays the bill. You know, and that's also unfair. That at least now the fact that the situation has turned this way, and we have been landed with this scenario, which is you can't go, we'll go back in history, it's already happened. But what should be now a more concerted effort, and that happens only with the element of synergy, combined effort, is to try to ensure that the financial burden which has been imposed on the shipping community at large, we should find some formula or having it spread across the other users and the other concerns who should actually take responsibility for this global issue. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Mr. Peters. Do you have uh, reviews uh, on this? Are we moving in the right direction, or, Well,
7: uh, f- yeah. F- first of all, uh, I don't uh, like to to blame other industries uh, for what uh, our industry is suffering. I think it, it's it's uh, our main problem, and it all started because we ordered and built too many ships, and there are too many ships around. Of course, externalities affect what we do and, uh, you know, the coronavirus or the U.S.-China trade war and all these things that have reduced uh, demand uh, affect us. And they will continue to affect us uh, as long as we are, you know, one of the best uh, open markets that exist in the world. Uh, and, and this is natural. So I'm not uh, blaming other people for, for the problems that, uh, that we are facing. When you have a change, as the change that we just had with the fuels, it, and it's a significant change, the, it is natural that the people that first take the burden are the shippers because we uh, are the ship owners because we had to settle the higher uh, cost of the bunkers, and this will, in time, be transferred to the cargo to to, to the end user. But it will take some time before this is implemented. So we were at this phase where we are facing these higher costs, uh, lower demand for the reasons we said which have been exaggerated ter- 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 terribly and uh, by what is happening with the coronavirus. The effect is huge, as Pedro said, on the Chinese economy. And the way it's, it goes, it might be also uh, on the world economy as a whole. So. We have to go through this phase. This disruption will create losers. Companies may become bankrupt, but at the end of the day, things will change. And uh, after, a, 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 as, as you quoted uh, John Michael saying, after every pain, there is a recovery, and that will happen for sure. Uh, and I'm quite confident for the longer term. We are, what has changed fundamentally in shipping, and in the world, I should say, is the fact that we are now uh, facing technological improvements extremely quickly. And we are facing the environmental problem which has repercussions which uh, change continuously. And this is the problem of shipping because we all as ship owners, if we are to order new ships, we need to, to order something that will last for 25 years. How can we do it when we know that after 10 years the world will probably be different? So that makes it very difficult for us to to order ships. Uh, We accept that uh, due to the environmental things that are happening, this is something that has to happen. The IMO had to make these decisions because otherwise other even tougher regulators would regulate for us. So we have to support IMO with the drawbacks that it has. That stop here.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. So, actually, this uh, leads me to uh, the next uh, question, and I would like to ask Mr. Haji-Yanis. Um Obviously, there have been many things uh, in IMO happening: ballast water treatment, 2020, now decarbonisation. So, do you feel that shipping is over-regulated? Oh, definitely I think everybody
8: here agrees. Everyone agrees that the shipping is
7: overregulated.
8: My problem is not this. My problem is that I IMO, whom I have no desire of criticizing, must understand, who must be told to return to their mandate. I'm afraid they're dealing with something that they are not competent at all to deal with. This is a matter of the scientists is not the matter of me, or any other ship owner, or the people who work or direct the IMO. And to make it more simple, when we talk about environment, we must always start from the point, how do we come here? Who is responsible? What went wrong? And how we can correct it? And that definitely not me and not the The whole thing started just before 20th century. We had amazing scientists, and we've seen the world changing. They saw so many inventions to the right direction, of course, which improved so much the standards of living that the population tenfold. And not only that, the per capita consumption of energy, (laughs) I went up a thousand times, maybe more. The production of steel and cement for house building, the production of electricity for heating, lighting, air conditioning. The eating habits of the population went through the roof. As a, a traveling, the car industry, the aeroplanes, all that unprecedented consumption. And all this was done on fossil energy. Nobody thought of those days a problem of emissions or, or the effects of the greenhouse emissions. The environment is so large with us. It has so much energy in it. It's just, we never thought, it's the first time we think about it. And we must give the chance to the scientists to come and solve it. It's a too important issue, it concerns everyone on the planet, and I don't understand the separation, uh, environment friendly and environment enemies. <laughs> it's, it's too important an issue. So. Um, we must employ the best of these minds and incentivize them to come up with a solution. It's a much easier job than creating all these inventions that we're now enjoying. And I say this because first of all they know, they don't need the imagination. It's there the problem. They can face it. Secondly, because what I hear is that the entire energy that we all need, the entire planet need, over a year, is sent on the planet in two hours by the sun. We know how to convert it already into electricity. What we don't know is how to store it. We are very bad, we are very primitive on the, bant- on the batteries. So, when you create the electricity you cannot put it on a ship or in a car and have the same effect of the fossil energy. But how far are we from that? We have the hydrogen, which is ample, is there. We have the technology now to make separate from the water into hydrogen. Three weeks ago, they announced that they found a way to spend much less energy to produce hydrogen. That what the hydrogen can give you back for the first time. What is left, which is equally important, is the storage. Actually, the storage, because it's very highly ex- explosive. But once this problem is solved, then the problem is solved. We have the wind. We have the current. We have the waterfalls. We have everything. The planet has given us everything. which just we never thought about it. And it's the first time that we have the planet emitting double greenhouse, greenhouse gases than what the natural sinks can absorb through the oceans and the forests. How far away from that? So we should stop panic, understand the problem, and do intensify these minds, these experts, these specialists to come up with a solution for all of us.
5: I agree with everything Mr. Adiowani said. And in the meantime, we can actually do something about the environment, about our CO2 emissions right now. And that's just mandatory slow steaming. Exactly. The global fleet is actually emitting less carbon than it was in 2008. And it's 83% bigger per ton. So it's 55% less per ton of CO2 emissions, and we won't implement mandatory slow steaming. And I've heard the reason why the IMO doesn't want, I'm sorry, I'm very emotional about this, but I think our environment is everything. The reason why the IMO doesn't want to do that is because it's going to deter innovation. Innovation, quote me on this, is the exploitation of a new idea or an idea. We have not exploited the idea of mandatory slow steaming. And it, will, and it does have an immediate effect in the environment. We can do that. And the other thing it will do, it will save some cost for us and maybe it will reduce some supply in the market. And I've said it a thousand times, no one cares if a ton of uh, iron ore, a barrel of crude oil or an MBTU of natural gas gets to port five days later after a 50 day voyage. So it's just mind boggling. First of all, the IMO doesn't understand the definition of innovation. And second of all, why this hasn't been implemented. It's completely <laughs> self-serving and not right.
0: Thank you very well, much. That was exactly my um, uh, following question. And it was uh, to you because I remember you, your views on uh, slow steaming. So uh, I, uh, thank you. This is what we want. Uh, Mr. Pizzas, uh, you uploaded this uh, statements. So, so I guess uh, you agree, but would you compliment?
7: I really have nothing more to say. I totally agree with what uh, was said. Uh, I don't understand why we don't do this as a short-term measure. It's going to help enormously, and we should advocate towards that direction. It should help the environment enormously, and of course, this has nothing to do with the other measures that have to be taken to find a different fuel uh, to propel us over the next years. But this will not happen now. It, it takes research
0: takes time. For the time being, let's help the environment. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Fafaz, you would like to... Uh... Yeah.
3: I'd, li- I'd like to uh, make a few comments about what has been said up to now. Uh, there's, no, there's no question that we have to go the environmental way. It doesn't pay to fight it. We have to abide by it. Uh, and it is to our benefit as well. All these environmental regulations, what are they going to do practically for us? We will not order, as Aristide said, which actually somebody else had to do it for us, because every time the market was going up, we were over ordering. Now, if we order, we don't know whether the main engine that we will have on that new building, that will take delivery off in, in two years, whether in five years from then, it will be an obsolete managing or not, so that that is a good thing, and um, we may scrap more vessels, I mean, look at the the scrapping ratios, you see a lot of caves being scrapped, you don't see any smaller vessels being scrapped, you see 1985 built vessels still roaming the seas, It's about time that we do something about that, Um, so the environmental way actually helps us, we should not fight it, we should go along with it. Now, regarding the slow steaming, I'm also in favor of slow steaming, but it's not going to happen, unfortunately. We have uh, much stronger uh, countries that are looking for the goal-based measures, like uh, Japan, for example. They're talking about um, improving uh, the way our engines work, uh, changing propellers, news ducts and stuff like that. We have uh, the Danes, who are talking about operational efficiencies Um, and I'm afraid, John Michael and Aristidi, I'm afraid that um, the slow steaming will not be what they will ask us to do. But that's, what we, but that's what we will do. But that's what we will do. I mean, that's one of the measures we will do. But that's not going to be put like that. Then um, hydrogen, uh, Andrea, I'm afraid may not be the solution. It requires 10 times higher tank capacity. It is being researched but it requires 10 times more capacity than fuel oil does. We, in our company, we are looking into ammonia and uh, we are participating in research and development on that. Uh, we think maybe this has a better chance, or bio- biofuels. Definitely, um, what we're seeing with, uh, with uh, and, and by the way, it would be better to deal with IMO than with the European Union. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. <laughs> the European Union, we're going to have problems with, much bigger problems than, uh, than with the IMO. And you, know and, and, and you know what? Sorry, sorry John Michael, just one sec. Because Greek ship owners fought with each other on the scrubber issue, uh, in my opinion, for no reason, it was in the IMO regulations. It's not a loophole, so some of us decided to take that uh, commercial decision, but that fight, that infight, which is the first time I've ever seen it among Greek ship owners, actually opened the door to the European Union, and we're all going to pay for this dearly going forward.
5: I, I actually agree with you, and I think it's, 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 we're, we're here to make money, right? and the scrubbers okay. well, that's why I'm there. We'll only be loose for 10 years. And, and the fact that the scrubbers were actually a wonderful th- I didn't install any scrubbers by the way and, I, and I'm envious of the scrubber guys right now but I was able to pay out a dollar dividend for one of our portfolio companies that you may know about because we kept all of our ships in the water and there was a temporary reduction in supply so it beats me why we're so against scrubbers Right? It actually helped our industry, and the thing we need in our industry, more than anything else, is money, right? We, we, we've suffered for 10 years. We need, we need to get it from wherever we can. Um, so, I think the argument against scrubbers for parochial reasons is, is, is not. And then, I will say this, the French have actually, and the Monégasque are both supporting slow this
7: and may I add, Petro, I, think, I, I agree with you that in Japanese and the Japanese and the Danes are taking various measures and trying to take that discussion elsewhere. But to my mind, one is not exclusive of the others. We can have both slow steaming and operational measures and improving efficiency. And this is the message that I think we have to try and convey. Yeah, among other
3: things, definitely, uh, I've said that we Greeks will definitely slow steam. This is one way to reduce uh, emissions, there's no question about that. But they are not going to be uh, discussing it as they will not term it slow steaming. We will have to do more things than that. That
8: can be done as a temporary measure to give breathing time to those people who panic and they're trying to implement uh, measures through a crystal ball rather than any supported by any technology. That thing by 2030, we're going to be down to 50%. On what grounds, on what basis, on what knowledge, on what technology are we going to do this? The only thing which is very positive and very supportive is that nobody will be the sheep during that spell. And that will be very supportive of the sheep owners. That's the only good news out of these mysterious targets, to please ears, just to please ears. There is no technology, except the slow steering, which, as we heard, it faces so many difficulties from uh, economic reasons, for profit of some people, not for environmental reasons, We must not forget. Th-
0: thank you very much. And actually. You have uh, raised uh, too many uh, points at this uh, stage, so actually, my planned questions is uh, only for reference now. Um, but, but there's two, two points that you raised uh, and I would like to stay a little bit on this. Uh, one is, um, you mentioned about the new building and uh, how this new technology's uh, skepticism uh, affects uh, investing on uh, new ships, and that would be a question that I would like to ask uh, Mr. Haji And another point that has been um, raised about new technologies, and I think it was not actually uh, stated, but um, it is kind of like uh, considered, um, the fact that these new technologies and the unknown, and the hybrids and all these kind of things, raises the other concern about uh, crew competency. Uh, which is a phenomenon that actually becomes uh, global scale and that be. I would like to address this question to Ms. Milona but but before that I think uh, our chairman wants to make uh, a a comment from uh, what has been
2: said. I I don't want to rub it in but um, I think the slow steaming effectively will take place but it will have a different different, uh, terminology because they are referring now to reduction of engine on certain ships there's a correlation between cape sizes and container ships so there's a bit of a going on which I think what they're going to effectively do is bring out the principle of slow steam but you use different terminology different way of addressing it that's my personal view so
0: so, so um, if I may ask um, about the new building activities uh, for the future and uh, how I mean uh, one thing that we noticed is that uh, 2019 has been a slow on uh, new building and one of the reasons was because many shipping companies were very much occupied with uh, you know, large uh, retrofit uh, scrubber projects but that also is the essence of the new technology. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that Mr. Khazioon? How do you see the future on new building?
4: In the past uh, years, always I was saying that even if you order, you have to do it responsibly. I did myself more than 50 new buildings over a span of 30 years. It's less than two ships a year. This was the portion the problem portion that our company uh, was allowed, not economically but ethically, to order in the market because there were times that I could go as well and order 30 ships in one go. We avoid doing that. There were owners, I remember Norwegian owners, uh, foreign owners, ordering ships to resell for a million profit, back in the old 7s or O8s, and they were successful in that and they make good profits two three five million on a resale but some of these ships that are haunting us now for the last 10 years and we cannot make even a million dollar of profit in the last uh, whatever years so if you want to order go and order because anyway some people will order because prices are coming down but order responsibly even if you find the money or you have the money order responsibly I don't think that it will be a big order book okay, because we don't know what regulations will apply. Is it tier three, tier two, what what else? Uh, this engine uh, should be compliant with it. So the good thing that is happening right now is that the current order book will be delayed. Will be delayed with all these things yeah. happening in China, and this is one very positive thing that I wanted to mention. In that 2020 was a. a, a a heavy year of deliveries, at least for the dry bulk. And uh, I'm pleased to say that uh, uh, the Chinese will be off for at least two months, from what it shows. Those ships will push back. But even more, it's coming from the manufacture of the equipments, of the various uh, parts of the ships. This will be even more delayed. And uh, I don't, I expect that more than. Maybe 30 or 40 percent of this year's order book will drop in 2021, and this may save our day and may help us for the for the good part of uh, 2020 to be able to turn profitable. So, you know, new buildings we cannot avoid them, but you know we shouldn't have again examples of people going ordering 50 ships or 40 ships
0: in one go. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Muska. San, not I noticed that you, mm-hmm. you agreed with uh, Mr. Hasjouan, but um, do you have uh, something to, to add on this? Um, yes, the
1: uh, basically we, we've got it. Even even now in this bad market, there is a big order book. I mean, there's in the region of over oh, tons of dry cargo, um, which is huge, and it doesn't make any sense. But I agree that with the the technology and the emissions and the decarbonization will help because nobody today in the right mind will go and order a ship, which will take in three years time and then five years later, what do you do? With it? <coughs> uh, so I think um, I think they hopefully there'll be a period and maybe in three years or so where there'll be no ships coming to the market and then we'll see an increase in the, in the freight rates. And I agree with Alice students, so this is all our own doing, This bad market. Because our own doing is nobody else's fault. We can't blame the IMO regulations, we blame the ship owners. Mm. So, hopefully, you know, this will be a lesson now that we can, that will force us to, to stop the new buildings, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Chairman, would
2: you like to Can I make a suggestion? What about that we all make a pack in this room, where we just don't order any more ships? <laughs> Mr. Hansi well, bless Blessing, who is the President of the shipbuilder Union, who is literally, from what I understand, has never ordered a ship, and I don't think he is short of petty cash, he's got a bit of money in the bank, he's made a bit of money, so I think effectively we can all look at things with more lateral thinking and resolve all problems by staying put and don't order ships in the next few years. I think we should make a pact in here and announce it and finish with it. We've got no more problems. And you will probably make more money anyway because the market will go up sooner rather than later. I agree.
5: <laughs>
0: Okay, so uh, thank you for that. Um, but I, I don't want to um, um, lose uh, time on not focusing on what I think is a very valid concern about uh, all these uh, developments and evolution in shipping, um, how much is linked with uh, the seafarers, and. Uh, The question is, are we paying as an industry the right attention to the good challenges of uh, dealing on a daily basis with uh, new technologies on board ships which sometimes it feels that they are coming faster than uh, people on board can uh, um, uh, follow with? Uh, Miss Milona, how do you see this? (laughs)
6: Yes, (laughs) politely. the problem of lack of competent crews has, has been uh, <coughs> building up for years now. And part of it, as you very rightly said, is the speed with which technology is changing and how quickly we have the capacity to train and familiarize our, our uh, next generation of crews with the, the quick developments. Another part of it that is, is very, very scary is just pure numbers, forget competency. Um, just A couple of weeks ago, uh, the uh, uh, Marine uh, Authority in the Philippines uh, uh, suggested that they close down two thirds of maritime academies for not meeting basic international standards of training. And so in that sense, I think the answer is a definite no, we're not doing enough uh, to to take care of uh, what we actually need to run our business.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Mr. Rasmussen, I think uh, you have um, expressed your views on uh, how you know we, we should uh, respect and uh, pay our duties in some uh, the seafarers' life and board vessels. So would
5: you like to uh, say your views on that? I I, I think uh, well, first of all, in life and especially in business, it, it all comes down to people. Um, and the seafarers are actually doing their job every day. They're, they're, they're the heart and soul of this industry and we should do as much as we can for them. I mean, one of the points which I, they go back and forth on is, is the older blocks and how dangerous they are. And one of my big things is I think we should be as caring and as safe as we can to, to our seafarers because here's, here's my point about the seafarer. We all get stressed, we, you know, it's a difficult market, it's a difficult business, it's never a straight line, right? But at the end of the day, whenever that may be, we get to go home. They don't. Mm. Plain and simple. So I think you have to have empathy for that, and I've, I've sailed as a, as a tech cadet and as an apprentice engineer, and I know what it's like out there, and it's lonely, and you, you need as much help as you can, because without the seafarers, nothing happens. And I, I, I personally, I don't believe in autonomous shipping, but uh, may, maybe it happens. But until that does really happen, we rely on the seafarers. We owe it to them to give them a better quality of life and better training so it's a safer environment for them on board. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. If I can uh, wrap it up on this uh, topic, is that
0: considering the fact that there will be no ordering, in the future it was just yes, agreed right. it yes. was stated yes. and it's uh, recorded yes. and uh, that will probably give uh, more time for the crew to get prepared for the next wave of uh, new orders whatever that is and um, so um, actually i, I think uh, we have probably time to open uh, um, for some questions from the floor if you have for uh, our panelists uh, before changing a little bit the subject. Are there any questions that you would like to ask? Nobody's daring to ask questions to you. Oh yes, there's a question at the back over there.
9: Hi, uh, my name is Mags Moroni. I work for Meteor Group. We're a weather solutions and weather routing company. Um, So to maybe take it back to the slow steaming because um, this is something we help our clients with is actually Uh, weather optimized routing and something we've been working with our clients and actually helping them save significant fuel on um, voyages is actually variable speed so actually still working with um, uh, fixed ETA but being able to use a variable speed algorithm to either speed up or slow down so actually still uh, being able to make those savings on a voyage while actually not jeopardizing the time you have to be in port. So, is this something you've looked into? Is this something you're exploring? Are you aware of that is an option, or as a as a as another option to the slow steaming?
7: It's it's uh, something to do in addition with slow steaming, and we are looking at it. And I think most of us over here are talking with uh, all these companies that are providing uh, operational assistance. So. Definitely, uh, we, we are all looking at it. It's uh, an add-on on the slow steaming and all the other measures that we're taking.
3: And basically, that's what the Danes are proposing. It's one of the operational measures that are to be taken to to uh, improve uh, consumption, uh, to lower consumption, and improve uh, emissions.
5: I think it's very interesting in that you're using algorithms, too. We use algorithms for decision-making, optimization, and also to try and find safety on board the ships for our our seafarers because you can identify trends that you might not normally see. So, well done.
9: Yeah, so we're not just using algorithms alone because that's important, but we actually have in-house master mariners and route analysts who are all ex-seafarers, so we also think that element is important. 100%. Right, that like you're working with algorithms, but also the human factor too. And just as a second part of the question, in trying to implement slow steaming and variable speed um, to optimize voyages, do you think you have to work with the charters more to be able to come up with a new agreement to move away from fixed speed charter party agreements and uh, open it up to more variable speed or, um, and actually changing basically the the, the charter party regulations or Good okay. luck doing that in a
5: low fake market. <laughs> <laughs> well said. I I I think we, we have to make the charters we're we're all first class people, especially on this uh, at this table, and I think the charters should understand if they want a first class service, they should pay a first class hire. Okay,
9: thank
5: you. So you have two days. If we if we knew this data. I, I, I agree, it it, the illogicality of speeding up, burning CO2 to go wait yeah. in a queue for 10, 10 days if you're lucky with the big sometimes 30, 40, 50 days you're waiting.
7: Yeah, Burning also fuel, burning fewer. also fuel, correct,
5: correct. Yeah. that's not efficient.
7: And I see nobody pushing
3: ports to start working on, on this, which is easy. I
7: agree with Just you. Just share your data, you have the data.
3: It is the charter that should actually as with the ports, not the owner.
7: Correct. Yes. And
1: the charter should give us the instruction to slow steam so that we don't wait as many days, and then it's good for the environment, it's good for everyone. And for them as well, they'll pay higher. Okay. And
5: yeah, I mean, no one's expecting much from the charters, right, ever. Uh. <laughs> But it's true, there is a responsibility uh, for them, and you make a good point. There's inefficiencies all over our space, and we're not tackling them right now. We're thinking almost too far in the future when the problems right now are just being kind of swept under the rug. Because at some point, we'll have this price to hey, we won't. We have to do something about it.
7: Correct. And take
1: everything on
7: their soldiers. Correct.
5: Rather than hold this, hold this and, and, and to go back to some earlier points, the accountability we're, we're getting upset that the accountability is actually with us because sometimes we actually do have leverage with the charterers, and I say this in the tanker space the entire time. Those of you who own a crude oil tanker know that you do a voyage and you don't get paid until God knows when afterwards, and you've got a you've got a big burn there. And every time the market goes up, it is a time to renegotiate with the charters about those payment terms. What do we do? We're all too rich at that point. Oh no, no, no we don't want to do anything because we're, we're we're so wonderful and rich. And then when it goes back down and we need them, they're not going to do anything for us. We start complaining again. So the accountability is with us. I, I, agreed <laughs> okay thank you very much yes we will take
0: one more question uh over there yes sorry in the contents
1: of the panel uh, looking forward mr john michael do i dare open What? Right. i uh, sorry peter michael from one Novation. So I dare open Pandora's box about why you don't believe in autonomous
10: vessels? In the context I'm looking for, I I
5: I think that why why I don't believe in them because I think there should be a human element, especially when you're at sea. I think you could you're able to predict weather and trends and stuff like that, but the sea is the sea and Mother Nature's Mother Nature. And for me, there's a lot of unpredictability there, and so I don't think there's any infallible way to to navigate the ocean. You need some human touch and common sense. My theory. Uh, John Michael, uh, autonomous vessels would
3: be much more expensive. With two and a half thousand dollars we make on uh, the caves, I don't think we would be able to pay for that as well.
5: (laughs) There's that too. And Mr. Peters, would you like
7: to ask? They will come, but it's at least, uh, I would think, 15, 20, 30 years away still they will come one day but it's too too far
1: you're right but what, 20 30 years is
8: it's far away but the way the world especially the third world is is progressing it will never come and who want to cut a job of a thousand dollar seaman or two thousand dollar seaman and spend twice as much on automation,
0: yeah. I, uh, I, th- I think. I yeah, think. I think With, uh, too. <laughs> with uh, this uh, <laughs> autonomous uh, parenthesis here, um, I wonder how uh, access to capital on an autonomous ship, uh, you know, um, uh, banks and other lenders uh, will feel about at the moment. But uh, because we we. we you know, we spent after lunch a lot about uh, hearing, uh, um, you know, access to uh, capital and different providers. And uh, obviously, this is not my field of uh, expertise. But uh, the way I understand it, the main source of capital for ship owners are international banks with, I would say, lower pricing but stricter uh, requirements. We had, uh, obviously, heads from the Cyprus and uh, Greek banks with uh, offering more flexibility. Uh, we have leasing um, uh, way of uh, getting access to finance, uh, mostly provided by China. We had it this uh, last uh, week in uh, the Athens uh, Capital Forum. Alternative capital uh, providers and of course own funds. Um, considering all this, how do you uh, foresee the future in accessing finance uh, for from your perspective? And uh, I would like to ask first Mr. Peters on this.
7: I think that uh, capital is always found when there is a, a good idea behind it. Uh, I've heard it many, many times during my 20 years uh, running a shipping company that we will run out of money to invest. But always the money comes from somewhere. It might not be the traditional West European banks, it might be the Chinese leasing, it might be alternative financiers, it might be stock markets in Asia at some point, I don't know. But for good deals, I think that money can be found. But because of of the uncertainty in shipping these days and all these uncertainties we discussed, it's very difficult to make a case that is presentable to a financier to get the financing. But if there is a good idea, it will be financed for sure, from one way or the other. And I think, Mr. Moses, I thank think you. That the um,
1: private owner will still go with traditional bank finance, but in mainly. Um, obviously, with large public companies, you have to look at alternatives, because the figures are huge. Um, and then there's leasing companies there's uh, from China and and also Japanese banks now entering the market as well uh, but um, I think that I agree with those things that if you have if you're a proper, a good company you run chips the right way and you have you're asking for a relatively small percentage 50 to 60 percent you can always find bank finance the new banks will come in. To take the place of other banks, we've
5: seen that in the last 10 years. So, uh, I I don't think uh, a good owner will have a problem here. Yeah, I I, I think uh, access to debt capital comes. It's just a matter of the strength of your balance sheet. Period. Thank you, um, Mr. Casiano. How
0: do you like to see this uh, landscape? Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, sorry, Mr. Hasiani. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Polissadievano. Sorry,
4: Mr. About the finance, I think there is uh, sufficient finance. and We all heard the the bankers just before, both the foreign banks and the Greek banks and the Cypriot banks. And as the governor of the central bank said, they have the money, the Cypriot banks here, and they want to lend it, and they cannot find the appropriate people to lend. it. And the main problem they have, and we have, is that, and as all the bankers said, they want to lend money now, that is the bottom of the market, because they are all very selective on counter-cyclical investments. I want to say that for the last six years we have been investing Counter cyclically, <laughs> <We> sure
11: have,
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's a problem. You know, I mean, for how, for how many years we have to go counter cyclically in order to see a change?
0: Thank you. Yes, uh, Mr. Kaziani, would you like to add? I mean, from a private owner perspective, your preference on uh, I, 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 I must
8: mean. admit that I am the least competent to reply to this question. But from a layman's point of view, probably, this position. I fully agree with police that there is plenty of finance. We had two panels of banks confirming that to us. But I take the opportunity to uh, congratulate uh, Mrs. Bretou, who said we are partners with the banks. We need the banks. The shipping world cannot operate without the banks. Who cannot buy a ship. Who cannot pay this person. Who cannot receive uh, um, uh, 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 hires. So it's a very, very important part of our lives, especially lately with the, after the uh, uh, economic collapse and the problems the banks face. We realize more intensively the problem we have with the banks and their existence is very, very important. On the other hand, I can't understand how they've lost, they said $150 billion. <laughs> they must come back to the original principle of being lenders, not equity or investors, which is a different, <laughs> a different aspect to the business. And you have to furthermore open a new very important subject here, which is the um, sanctions. Now we think the question to the Cypriot bankers was very, very uh, good teacher, but it didn't get an answer. <laughs> so I will put it to all the bankers in the in the room. It is a fact of life that the European banks are acting as uh, strictly on the uh, uh, sanctions as the American banks so or the American nexus banks which is not understandable. And they work against the European regulation, the regulators too, because Europe took the, exactly the opposite position. It, it even threatened with measures and penalties the banks that do not comply with the European um, subject, and rather follow the Americans And lately I was involved heavily on a problem like this. And I went to Europe and I saw, I had here Mrs. Komsiska, with the head there. Um, the three head states England, Germany, and France they have agreed already on a project called, uh, what is it called? The Instincts, by which they cut out the banks with transactions on suction area countries for non suction countries. There is a huge difference. It's a different thing, a suction country and a suction trade. The suction trade is for everybody. It's like, for instance, the oil for Iran. Or certain trades with Venezuela, which applies to the entire world. And it's a suction that only applies to the rest only to the American companies. For some funny reason, all the European banks, or most many European banks, put a blank. (coughs) So the Americans got very annoyed with the uh, European Union for introducing instincts. Instincts, it's a, 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 a scheme by which you can Trade with Iran, you get paid from France or Germany or or England, and if you export from Iran, you get paid from the Iranian uh, 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 banks. So the Americans got very confused and said, very uh, upset. And they said, "Why do you do this? We allow you to trade in euros." And the European Union said, yeah, hey, but you're threatening the banks <laughs> and the banks." Are not carrying out our instructions, and that's actually an question to the Cypriot banker. This question should go to all of you: <laughs> Why you are becoming more Catholic than the Pope of Rome? <laughs> so I don't know who is the banker who dares to ask the question.
0: <laughs> I think we have a uh, uh, volunteer here at the front. Uh, line, Mr. <coughs>
10: <Tuchel>. <coughs> so. One of the the key, and we're going to be a little technical here, but the is that the the U.S. has extraterritoriality of the dollar, so that means that they control all transactions in all sectors that are governed by the dollar. The problem that fa- that European banks face is that all of them, like you know, they transact in dollars. For different reasons because the gatekeeper if you want to say for instance convert euro to say like you know the chinese B or like you, know, the, like you know the currencies you go through the dollar so you know this is the conversion point uh, plus all the trades that you do like you know it's in dollars the main challenge is that like you know the threat of like you know, cutting relationship with your correspondent banks so you might be a small Cypriot bank or a small european bank but at the end of the day for you, you know to do clearing the dollar you need to go through the big international banks, like you know, like the likes of HSBC, or Deutsche, or Citi, or JP Morgan, whatever. And these are U.S. persons, so you know, what they really want to ensure is that basically U.S. counterparty in the correspondent banking universe, you're more Catholic than Catholic. The second point I would add is that this is not the only example where we see a discrepancy between what politicians say and what regulators say. And I'll give you another example. So you know, we see the regulation say, like we see politicians say that, oh you banks, you need to lend more, like you know, you need to finance like you know the, the economy, blah blah blah, and the quantitative easing. And then regulation comes on the other hand, putting so many hurdles around capital and returns that makes it impossible for you to lend against the backbone of the economy. So I think this is like a very acute problem that we banks face, that we need to please too many masters out there. And because the threat of being cut off from correspondent banking, or being placed in sort of, like, you know, monitoring, is too severe for a bank to undertake, you go on the most conservative side. And this is what is happening right now. So it might not be, like, you know, legally you might not be liable, legally you might not be breaching, breaching EU or United Nations regulations, you adopt the strictest or most conservative rule, just to be on the safe side that no one cuts you off from correspondent banking, clearing, settlements, or whatever have you.
8: Oh, thank you. Well, that's a good answer. I, I accept thank it. You. But uh, you should take this up with the European Union or the people who have to, or, or the top. I think, to the yeah.
10: Yeah. I, I think you need to go through regulators for that. I mean, and, and I think probably banks will need to combine forces, but the reality is that a fine on sanctions breach is the one that actually closes down banks. You know, you've seen that, like, you know, banks, European banks, had to face severe, <coughs> severe penalties. I mean, I just mentioned HSBC had a $2 billion fine. BNP had a $9 billion fine. Not on this matter. On sanctions matters. On sanctions matters. Yeah, barrier sanctions. No. Well, the thing is that the, this is debatable, like, in many things. Like, you know, if there's no white and black when it comes to sanctions, there's yes. a lot of, like, you know, grey zone. There and yes. And, and what I can tell you also from my dealings with OFAC is that you never get a straight answer, you will not get a straight yay or no. There will be plenty of room that will give them the ammunition if whatever like for whatever reason they decide to change policy.
8: My objection to that and the only is that if you go through a lawyer to OFAC, the US lawyer will get you through uh, something you've never
0: understood. Well, I think you're you the go president, president of the Union,
10: so you, I think you should go through that portion not Sorry, the program
0: uh, now. Sorry yeah. uh, you know but we can take this uh, conversation a little bit uh, later offline. Um, I think I'm allowed by the president to exceed uh, the time allowed, yes? Well, Oliver, one yeah. condition.
12: Last year, If you remember, Captain Chakos said that that was the only forum that he or one of the very few forums that he had attended, where nobody leaves. And at 6 o'clock in the evening, you cannot find an empty seat. So let me take a picture (laughs) to send to Captain (laughs) Chakos to confirm that what he said
0: last year happened this year (laughs) as well. So with that, please go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I mean, that would be the excellent closing remark. But since we are in Cyprus and I'm coming from uh, Paris to join this uh, wonderful event and I promise that I will go uh, back to the office with some kind of business opportunity um, and since we are in Cyprus and we hear a lot and I don't know, I would just ask that question because we hear a lot about Cyprus and um, the LNG that is uh, found and the projects and if uh, all goes as planned we will see Cyprus in a few years become a. a a very important LNG hub um, so I would like to ask uh, if you see this as an opportunity to diversify your operations moving into uh, the gas sector in the near future or even considering the LNG as fuel, LNG fueled uh, vessels becoming uh, let's say more imminent things to your future plans uh, Ms. Milana, would you have uh, comments on this? How are you were uh, supporting these uh, developments we see in Cyprus for LNG?
6: Well, although we seem to forget that LNG is actually a fossil fuel, it's still very much at the forefront of uh, of the future, not just for Cyprus but worldwide and for, for green energy. So, yes, I do expect to see um, uh, a lot more investment on the island, uh, both. Uh, from from within and, and internationally, um, how far that can be extended? That well, that depends on a lot of geopolitical parameters, of course, and it, will, it remains to be seen. Uh, but I think there's there's uh, a lot to be done here still. Thank you very much. And uh, Mr. Kazarian,
0: would you have uh, a view on this? Or look, I
4: mean, the LNG in uh, Cyprus is a, is a prospect. A good prospect. Of course, we we don't know what the price of the LNG will be, and it's very low at the moment. So I don't think it it uh, makes uh, big sense at the moment. But you never know how the world will change, and of course, we don't know how much of it Cyprus will get in the end, because we have neighbours. Yes, <laughs> who okay. want some of it,
0: Mr. Peters Yes.
7: Yes, I, I looked into LNG four years ago in thinking that, you know, being a public company, if I build LNG uh, Kamsar ships, maybe I would be able to get financing. You know, the, the equity markets, they, they, they like nice stories and different stories. But in looking at it, you know, the, the cost of building a Kamsar ship uh, with LNG, at least the prices we got then, were about 35% higher than the cost of, of, of a normal uh, cancer max vessel. And we didn't have too much luck with charterers willing to give us that difference within a small specified period of time. So we abandoned it as it being quite risky. At that time I thought that it could be a good substitute uh, for uh, heavy fuel uh, or low sulfur fuel or whatever was the, the standard fuel of the industry nowadays i i i see that uh, there are a lot of uh, even this is a very temporary measure so i think that uh, lng will will serve us for the next five ten years quite well but uh, still it emits a lot of uh, greenhouse uh, emissions and i'm pretty confident with the way the technology is moving that we will soon uh, have a new technology which will be uh, very environmental safety. So, I have my worries about that. And uh, Of course, for Cyprus, uh, you know, they found this LNG field. If they are to exploit it, they should do it quickly, <laughs> because after 10-20 years, uh, I, I don't think there will be a future for this type of fossil fuels.
0: Yes, this is uh, correct uh, when it comes to uh, fueling uh, ships. Uh, however, the LNG needs to be traded uh, for other industries, and uh, um, Mr. Hatziyannis, should I judge to ask a question? If this is a business opportunity, I mean, gas carriers, LNG carriers. Doesn't and they study more the
8: case? They already tell you it's very, very late. You see the stocks coming down like stone. And the bad critics, are don't, I don't. I'm not among them because I'm not an expert. But they say the only reason we still have gas is because of the state because it's such a big producer the states in such a recent uh, industry that they want to support them. they don't leave the critics <laughs> to come up with all the things that Nicole covered before right? and plus on the extraction they leave so much methanol in the atmosphere which is much more polluting than the oil or when the ships go on lower speed there is methanol coming in but let's don't pretend I am a scientist, so <laughs> I'll do that. Okay. But uh, the, the one thing is that I agree with Peter's, maybe it's too large to say 10-20 years, but I will add my voice too to the Cyprus government. They have to think it out tomorrow, because the day after may not worth
0: anything. Okay, thank you very much. So, uh, Mr. President, how are you doing with time?
12: Where else can you find 8 wise men and and women that that are in front of you and are open to Q&A? So maybe if you are not tired, we can continue for a little while longer. Um,
4: So we open um...
0: (laughs) the...
12: (laughs) Sorry? Well, yes, of course, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the spoilers will be up for so
0: a So maybe uh, five or
12: ten more minutes
0: and we'll chat with you. So, this uh, is the, the, the dream planet, so yeah. Ten minutes, okay. I am uh, running out of questions, so... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Chairman, you had a suggestion and it was um, a little bit... Uh,
2: A question I mean, which we can discuss if you want to, because it was a bit controversial and it was just taken up earlier about the sanctions. The sanctions, as we just realised before, they apply different sectors for different reasons. So perhaps if anybody wants to bring into the table the action of that issue, which I think is becoming very volatile and very controversial, especially recently, I've heard a lot of people who literally have been through a lot of headaches through sanctions, which can be applied. Does anybody want to mention anything further on that? transfer money basically, I mean, you can get penalized for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, whether it be Venezuela, We've got a few friends of ours who have been involved in Venezuela and there are a few unpleasantries there. So does anybody want to discuss that before? Or elevate? I'm not sure I understood the question. I'm not
1: sure I
2: understood the question. Can you repeat the question? The question is that uh, the aspect of sanctions, uh, it's now becoming much more predominant in the FDA business and I would have thought maybe if you want to voice an opinion about how we can prevent it, or having can voice an opinion to see how we can handle it in future for things which have happened, to owners.
8: Well, certainly, is a pressure from uh, President Trump is increasing tremendously. It, it's if you deal a bit with Iran, you know, with Iran, you know they already took the country to pieces. They have no money left. It's. Amazing, the damage they caused there. And now he spoke, last night there was a, uh, an interview, and he stepped up all the pressure. He warned of new measures that would um, crack down Venezuela too. They say that they allow, because the Venezuelans owned a lot of money to Russia, there was an agreement with Russians to let them uh, carry on uh, uh, taking their oil to uh, repay their loans. Now the first movement is on uh, uh, tra- um, um, the Russian company last week, uh, Rosneft, brought measures of Rosneft. It is signaled the end of that era. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot tougher sanctions and I don't like it. It's the first time in history that we have only the Americans and we have the rest of the world separating. And this is what is creating all the problems with the banking system. I don't like it when they don't cooperate with, at
0: least, with the Europeans, the Americans, on, on the sanctions issue. OK, thank you very much. Uh, yes, thank you, yes, Mr. Logarakis. Uh, I would like, this is a unique
13: opportunity actually to find so many great minds and businessmen uh, all together like uh, Mr. Bornozis uh, mentioned. Uh, so I'm tempted to ask uh, a hot potato question. Uh, we hear a lot about new technologies, uh, alternative fuels, uh, lot of uh, new ideas we know that in shipping typically it is the owners who pay the bill like it happened in 2020 do we have any ideas any suggestion who will pay the ferryman who will bear the bill of all these new technologies any ideas any
0: suggestions maybe thank you Who is this uh,
14: question addressed to
13: Mr.
3: I, I think the answer is, is in front of you. We pay for all of
13: this. <laughs> <laughs> is
3: it fair? Does fair matter in That's business? <laughs> I mean, the stronger, the stronger prevails usually, and we are not, it seems, the stronger. Although we carry 90% of world goods, and if we stopped our vessels for 10 days, we would create a much worse situation than the coronavirus. We never uh, act uh, together. So I think, one more time, it's going to be us to pay for it. Until most of us go bankrupt and then there's a very few left and, um, and then those few that are left may, may continue to carry at better rates.
8: probably not to leave this atmosphere, this dramatic atmosphere pending. <laughs> I, I, I think that's what makes shifting fascinating. So it very much depends the position you are in when this development comes. If you're long or you're short, uh, what's your exposure? There is not a simple answer to that. When will these new technology come, not, not these small technologies that we see now, but the new ship, the ship of the, of the future, it can mean that it can destroy every ship on the planet, make it obsolete. Okay? So you're going to have to depend on the IMO, how wise they are to give a, a rundown period, a, a winding down period. If you have brand new ships, then you had it. We've seen that in the past. We saw the transition from uh, sails into uh, turbine engines, and then we saw from turbine engines to the diesel engine, where it made new buildings obsolete over a small period of time. But that was because it was so much more economic in running. Well, now it's going to be just a regulation. So, <laughs> so who can
7: It's good. Can I add something? Uh, it's, it's difficult really to say who will pay for it. Uh, probably the people that uh, do the research to come up with the new fuels and all that uh, will pay initially but have a big gain afterwards. Look at the scrubber situation. The scrubber companies made a lot of money by being there and uh, deciding to invest in the technology to make the scrubbers I think they will there has to be other entities that really put amount of money into research the supporters will also put a little bit amount of research in the research and I'm sure we are already doing that but uh, it is not sufficient Uh, so I I think that uh, if we insist on the goals that have been set, we will not be able to achieve these goals this time, uh, because they are extremely ambitious, so uh, we will have to see what happens. It's a very difficult thing to answer.
5: We've we've been... I think it it should all be dispersed to the end user, so all of us, a human being should be paying for it, should be paying for new technological advances, and I think you can use an ex- in my experience you can use an example of let's say the eco ships. As long as we're not too greedy, we're not paying for it. So you can get if you, if you if we don't order too many of them, we'll we'll we won't have to pay for them. If we order too many of them, I'm not ordering a ship, by the way. But those who do could jump into the new technology as long as it's not. Too many, right? Then, then those people will make money, and the end user will pay for them. But if there are too many, it will be the same thing that happened with the eco ship, right? So you, everyone orders them. You're paying for them, and you don't get your money back. Usually, you have to, I don't know, fire sale them to someone else, right? So it, it depends how greedy we all are, and how many of us uh, go for the new technology at one time.
2: If I miss at one point, which uh, just to quote the famous Metropolis, I think you mentioned it. I think three or four years ago, the grand scheme of things. That shipping, without shipping, half the world would starve to death, and half the world would freeze. So whichever would the wind address it, the solutions have be found, and in some shape or form, shipping is a definite prerequisite, it's an absolute necessity for us to survive. So I mean, whichever way we're gonna do it, through, we're developing new engines, or coping with, uh, with, uh, with being environmentally uh, uh, friendly, in fact, on that note, without do want to divert too much. Nobody's mentioned in this room today anything about uh, livestock. You would enjoy eating red meat. or well, perhaps you should not consider the idea of lessening it, of restraining yourself of red meat. for The simple reason that livestock alone is responsible for 32.6 billion tons of CO2 per year. So on that note, my friends, by having your too many fillet steaks, you're basically cooking our planet. <laughs>
10: okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. <clears throat> ah, sir, there's
13: one more question, yes. Not a question, but an observation. Uh, we've been told that 2020 regulation will save half a million lives until 2025. And this is important, and we are all glad for it. So society is benefiting from this regulation. Isn't it reasonable for society to pay back uh, the people that enforce this uh, regulation and who have applied this regulation in the same analog with the shift to unleaded gasoline uh, where the consumers actually are the the ones that uh, were bearing the burden of applying it. So, by this token, potentially, uh, the cost should be shared by the society not only by the uh, the owners who are directly affected because as Mr. Papas mentioned, we might see uh, a lot of bankruptcies which is something that we don't know, we don't want. The,
1: you're right, that, I mean it should be paid by the end user. but. The problem with shipping is that it's always a question of supply and demand. If if there are not many ships in the market, then it's easy to pass the cost on to the end user. But if there are, if we order too many ships and there's too many ships in the market, the owner cannot do anything. We'll have to bear the cost, is, themselves, uh, because you're, not, you're just not going to be able to pass on the higher freight. So. It's, uh, shipping does not, it doesn't work logically like that. That pay paid 90 million for the ship, has got great technology, so I can man 40,000 a day. If, the market, if there's too many ships, you'll earn 5,000 um, a day. There's nothing you can do about
8: it. I, thank you. I, I think it was a bit of an overstatement. And let's put that to perspective. What George said, in, in terms of the animal emissions represents 10 times more than the entire shipping. So if by oh, 200 ships, 2,000 ships on the low suffer, have such a bearing on the human, what if we cut down 10% our meat consumption?
0: Oh, Georgia.
14: So we have another yes. question, and uh, Mr. Chairman, one last one. Uh, uh, yeah. Mr. Chairman, okay. um, about uh, 20 miles, 20 kilometers from here, there is uh, a wreck of a ship uh, that was discovered last year, carrying cargo from the Aegean Isles, Wine jars were found, olive jars, probably mastic from Kiosk. Now, uh, I found listening to this uh, rare panel of principals, of owners, and some pessimism in what's happening in the future. Let me remind them that Greek owners have been playing the Mediterranean and the high seas for 2005 years. They're going to survive because they have a business acumen, what we call in Greek, the monion, and they will s- survive with coronavirus, with 2020 regulations, <laughs> they are going to make it and they are going to succeed over over, uh, ordering of new buildings Mr. Ghaziano we are going to make it again thank you I think thank
0: you you have a comment Mr. Ghaziano for this Uh, Mr. Stephen
4: Cooper wants to have a question and Stephen is a very good friend every year supporting the, the Lima Solivel, he's coming all the way from New York for this event, and we want to thank him. So thank you for you the, que- the, you you. the last question. deserve the last question of the right. day. This
11: question is for uh, our eight wise people who um, again, a great panel, Nicholas, thank you so much. Uh, it is worth the trip from New York. as we return for future forums here in, uh, in Cyprus. In the coming years, do you suspect that we will have fewer companies that are publicly held or a reduced number due to consolidation or the discovery that the best way to uh, make money or the best application of capital is to buy your own securities? So as we come back in future years, more public ownership, less, and perhaps the best place to buy a ship is Wall Street.
5: Yeah, I, I, I'll say this. Um, I, first of all, if Petrus has his way, there's only going to be one, surely. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that there's a price for everything. Sometimes uh, the paper is cheaper than the steel, but one principle that, I, that I've had that my grandfather, John Karras, told me there's no better investment than a cheap ship. Mr. Peters or Mr. Papas?
7: Yes, I I think that in the U.S. capital markets we have about enough shipping companies right now. The market is not such a big market to be able to have too many listed entities, so I don't think we will see a big rise in the number of of listed entities. Now, if there would be a small decline, they might, but I don't think there will be something spectacular happening there. Of course, you're right, our equity is extremely cheaply right now and probably a better investment than any cheap ship that we can buy. Uh, and I'm sure Petros and Polis agree with that because they're both listed as well. Uh, but it's a fact. Um, and of course there will be, in other stock exchanges in the Far East, I do anticipate that we will see listings there and more companies listed in the next decade, as you say.
5: I think the other thing we have to do um, if if we do want to keep this, is, is, is we, we've got we've we've got to return capital. We can't be afraid to pay big dividends. We've got we've got to really time the swings correctly, and we've got to treat our investors correctly too. There's a lot of scar tissue for the past couple of years, so be it. For me, the only way to really get pricing back into the equity markets is by doing the right thing, returning capital to your shareholders when the time's right. John Mike, what about consolidation? Do you
11: see that as something which is a, a practical consideration and a way to properly value many of these entities, which are selling below book value?
5: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if consolidation does the trick um, because you you put two things together. If maybe you get some more investor. Maybe you get some more investors when you get over a certain level. But I think the problem is. No one's made me money, and people have to make money. And once they make money, they'll like us. Paying hey, a
11: dividend is a good way to start. Mm-hmm. I, I, well,
0: I'm a big
5: shareholder, so <laughs> thank you.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Mr.
3: I think I think that um, some some of the smaller listed companies, or perhaps their their shareholders, may be tired. Of uh, continuously losing money and always hoping for the next year so I think that potentially such companies may look to consolidate with other companies in the sector and the only reason to consolidate really is not economies of scale if you have 50 or 60 vessels you have enough economies of scale and at some point you may even get these economies uh, I think the main uh, the main reason would be that a potentially bigger company would attract more interest from uh, uh, from shareholders and other investors but but that's about it I think we may see some in the future but thank you I always oh, think- Yes, I think the best is the
4: best policies. If you are private, you stay private. If you are public, you stay public. You cannot change your mind every year according to the market. The thing is, if you are public, you have to keep the right values, the values you have on your private company, to keep them in the public company. This makes a difference. Also, public company up until two years ago, I think half of Greek market wanted to go public. Now they don't want because there are no money. But you should not change your your uh, policy. You made a decision, it's not for the short term, it's for the long term, whatever that be if the market is good for the private owners, it will be good for the public owner. So we have to keep there, but we have to keep there are very few companies that stayed in the stock markets are those that kept the right values. And you have a few of those here today. Thank
0: you. Thank you. I think that's uh, an excellent uh, remark, and if I add a small technicality, I think it's quite challenging to uh, see consolidation between a public and a private, or uh, normally it's more or less, well, public we that.
5: that's public. exactly what we do at CTM. Oh, okay, alright, then I was wrong. Yes. And actually we have um, ships, uh, tra- trading with Pet- Petros and I have ships together in the, in the same pool, All private right. and public.
0: Okay, excellent. So, um, if that's okay, then uh, I think what we had on this about one and a half hour now, obviously the IMO 2020 went uh, quite well. Definitely there will be no contracting, especially from this uh, panel for new buildings. Uh, we also heard that the IMO is better than other regulators. Um, looking at my agenda, we see that there is finance if there is a serious uh, project, but I would like to um, stay on a couple of comments that research is uh, necessary supply and demand is ruling the game but we <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh,
12: thank you Leonida for uh, working overtime <laughs> and, and before he starts i'm so happy to announce that he will also be
11: you look
2: so much next <laughs> I Ladies and gentlemen, all I can mention is that um, it's been a tiring day, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's nothing more enthusiastic than finding people who share our passion, our perseverance, and patience for this business, because it is by far perhaps one of the most um, it is a romantic business in the world, besides anything else. On a final note, I just wanted to change the whole spectrum and get it a bit more uh, emotional and erotic rather than talk about caps and bolts and sulphur and gadgets and everything else. (laughs) And I'm going to quote a poet by the name of Chrisanopoulos Dinos. Dinos Chrisanopoulos is uh, an elderly guy in Saronica and he used to share the music of Vasily Tzanes. As you probably know, my wife's uh, granddad is Vasily Tzanes. And ο που, as my usual bit of spare time I find, I read a bit of poetry every now and again, I just want to share this with you because we're all concerned with the sea, our heart is in the sea, our life is in the sea, we live in the sea, and our Meροκάματο is in the sea. And he mentioned the following. Η θάλασσα είναι σαν τον έρωτα. Χίλιοι την χαίρονται και ένας
7: την πληρώνει. Thank you very much.
11: Thank you so much for another amazing event. Thank you.